So picking up where we were from last week. In our last session, we went from preparing for liturgy as the priesthood of all believers to the experience of the liturgy. The offering of ourselves, which is our sacrifice to God, along with bread and wine that he might grant us the medicine of immortality, as St. Ignatius calls it. His body and His blood that grants us life eternal, graces us to become more like Him. And we then went from there, and I'm going to summarize very quickly. If you weren't here last week, please go online. Uh, The whole series is online. But from that, we go to offer Him great thanksgiving, which is the very meaning of Eucharist. That we offer Him thanksgiving for everything that He has done, every benefit of His kingdom that He has bestowed upon us. We offer it to Him as our sacrifice of thanksgiving, which blesses Him. And in turn, our Lord is offering all of those blessings continuously to us as we gather with Him. Which is why we gather together as heaven and earth are one together in the worship of God. That we experience the salvation of the kingdom of God in our own lives. And then we finally talked about how we leave this place. How we leave this worship of all eternity. We talked about the fact that at the very end of the Mass, you hear these words in the liturgy of St. Tikhon, and they've also been incorporated into the words of St. Gregory. The Mass has ended. Depart in peace. But we discussed the real meaning in the original text of the liturgy that was the end of the Mass, which was Christ sending His people out. Now that you have received every bit of the blessedness of the kingdom of God... Now I send you, being full of me, to go out into this world and be a vessel through which salvation might be wrought in the lives of all those around you as you live the life in the kingdom. Because the original text in the Latin was, Ite Misa Est. Go, I send you. Go, I send you to be about the mission of the church. After Sunday school last week, And I'm glad she came up to me. Christina Harrell came up and she said that there was a nun who once told her that the mission of the church, the mission of every Christian is the Mass. And 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 this is something that I had heard before and I'm so glad you brought it to my attention. Because how many times, even in this series so far as we've been gathering together, do we talk about the fact that everything in the Mass is the entire spiritual journey of the Christian? Everything we do, everything we say, the opportunities for the experience of God that are all there in the Mass is the Christian life. It's life in the kingdom of God, ordered by Him for the salvation of our souls. So everything we do in the divine liturgy is our life in Christ. And so, since we are now moving from talking about the the liturgy, the Mass itself, and by the way, Mass means, remember, mission comes from that word. That's where it was developed. Okay? We also call it the liturgy. But we are now moving to see how do we take everything that we have done and gained by being present with Christ and Christ with us as His body in the divine liturgy of the church. How do we then take it and go and live it on a daily basis, which is both an expression of praise for all that He has done for us while He is in our midst, And it's also an offering. 
of praise and an offering to Him to go and live our lives, even for preparation for the next time we gather. The Mass is our mission. So what I want to do today, we're going to, we're going to skim through rather quickly the Mass itself, because I think you need to see, when we say that everything we do in the Mass is the Christian walk, what does that mean? When it comes to the daily walk of the Christian, what, what does it look like? The things that we do in the liturgy. How does it speak to what we are to do every moment of every day throughout the pattern of our lives as citizens of a kingdom of salvation? And that's what we're going to have a look at today. And the first is this. We started off this series talking about preparation for Mass. And we started talking about preparation for Mass from the, from the perspective of we, we are so not used to thinking when we are getting ready to come and join with all of the believers in Christ who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not used to thinking that I am coming to this place as a priest. As one of the royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God to offer up themselves. So with that in mind, remember we talked about the fact, how then, if we are the priesthood of all believers, you know the priest prepares. You know that there are many prayers, I've told you, that the priest must pray in preparation, preparing his soul to lead all the other priests in the ascension from the beginning of Mass all the way up the mountain to meet with God. And so how critical it is that every one of the priesthood of all believers prepare in the same way with great prayer and preparation before God to take their place to make the common offering, the offering of ourselves to God. Let me ask you a question. If we prepare to be priests in the, the divine liturgy of the church, what is the role of preparation in the daily life of the believer? Talk to me. What do you think that would look like in the life of every believer? First of all, on a daily basis, what would we be preparing for? What might we prepare, need preparation for every day? Hmm? Taking on the day? Taking on the day, number one. Absolutely. Responsibilities. All the responsibilities that come with the day? Speaking with the Lord first that my words may be gracious to other people. Absolutely. Especially this one. <laughs> yes, God bless you. <laughs> no, that's absolutely right. <coughs> Preparing, and let's summarize that. Simply put, preparing to be earthen vessels filled with God that deliver the kingdom through us. Right? I'm sorry, I haven't heard this one yet. Is You came to liturgy preparing as a priesthood. What, do you cease to be a priesthood after you leave? Every day. Every day, part of our preparation is to continue to walk as His holy priesthood. A people belonging to God. That through us, we may offer the world back to God for its salvation in the way that we live. In our prayers, every day. There's not one day, not one moment goes by that your priesthood is taken from you. And so we prepare. And let me just put to you real quick. 
some of the things of preparation that we do coming towards uh, uh, preparing for the liturgy, do we not do an examination of our soul and conscience as part of our preparation as the priesthood to come and make our offering to God? We indeed do. Is this not something useful in the day? Every day. That the Holy Spirit might reveal to us out of His loving kindness and His mercy the ways that we are in our own disorders like we talked about this morning. Those ways outside of the kingdom where the, our growth in Him and becoming like Him and experiencing all the blessedness and joy and the benefit of the kingdom of God is being dampened by those disorders is an examination of conscience before the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit on a daily basis to show us and reveal to us so that we come into agreement with you, O Lord. Yeah, this, you're right, this is me. And without your grace, it'll still be me. Help me. Help me. In preparation on the flip side of that examination of soul and conscience, we plead with Him, we ask Him for what He longs to give mercy. Is this not something we need on a daily, dare I say, momentary basis? Why do we pray for mercy? I want to tell you something. There are two reasons we pray for mercy. One is because we need it. But there is another. We pray for mercy so that we experience it. Have you thought about that? We pray for mercy... So that God might grant us the experience of His mercy. And I tell you this. When one soul experiences the mercy of God, the soul craves for more. And so on a daily basis, we prepare ourselves. Examination of conscience, asking for mercy and forgiveness. And then, of course, the finality. And I love this prayer. Pleading for the healing of our soul. O Lord, come and save and deliver us. Come and save and deliver us. Now, you might ask, when do we do this? Prayers of preparation for your role as a priest and as a Christian every day are found in the morning hours of prayer. And it just makes sense. If we're preparing, when are we going to prepare? At the beginning of the day. And no matter what, I don't care whether it's an Eastern Rite or Western Rite, hours of prayer service that you're using, it is a prayer of preparation for the day. Lord, not only examine me, but also give me grace to walk through this day, as some of you have said. And not only that, but to walk through this day, O Lord, by Thy grace without sin. Let me walk by grace above the disorders and walk in Your order. Okay. So, preparation for Mass is part of the daily walk. We prepare every day. Now, how about that blessed collect for purity? which we love to, to talk about. We've talked about in a number of these sessions. I'm going to read it to you again. At the very beginning of Mass, as a continued part of our preparation for the ascent that we do to the top of the mountain to be with God, His holy altar, and receive Eucharist. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of Thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love Thee and worthily magnify thy holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. And again, we joked around, this is the let's come to our senses prayer. God is that present with his people when they gather together. And as one of those early church fathers said, their people gather together, and in their minds they know that, O Lord, you are awaiting them inside. 
Christ is that present with us in the liturgy when we gather together. He is there to offer himself to us as we offer himself as we offer ourselves to him. But my friends, can you tell me a time that this is not true in the spiritual journey of every Christian? That to you, O Lord, my heart is not open. To you, O Lord, my thoughts are not known. To you, O Lord, I'm able to keep a secret. The, the, the collect prayer that we pray is the very reality of being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere we go, every moment that we live, we allow Satan to tweak our own flesh to deceive us that somehow after liturgy and mass, somehow God has become distant. But the reality is he has filled us with himself from our baptism. He is present with us as we gather together. And then as we go to be about our mission, there's never a second that he's not aware of our weaknesses and our frailties. So why do we live as if he is? Why not make use of the presence that's given to us for our salvation? Turn our attention so that we begin as St. Paul said. I love this teaching that he said, take every thought captive. Since every thought, if we're saying, oh, my, my heart's open, my thoughts are known. Take every thought captive. And in the Greek, that word thought is logizmi. And the word logizmi means this. That's the pinprick of the beginning of a thought. The birth of a thought in our minds. Because here's how you and I and our humanity operate. Either one of two things is going to happen. The pinprick of a thought that logizmi, every thought, it will happen in our minds. And within five minutes, we're captive to it or we've taken it captive. That includes all the temptations of the flesh and so on. And when St. Paul says, take every thought captive, he's talking about living as though these are realities. We are infinitely present with God and He with us. And when we take the thought captive, that means we take the pinprick of the birth of that thought and we present it to our Lord Jesus Christ who is absolutely present with us. And we ask Him, what do I do with this thought? And knowing that He is so present, He will guide you by His Holy Spirit, whether you listen or not. He will guide you. He will give you that Holy Spirit-filled conscience that will discern the spirits. Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, you want to know how present God is with us? Listen to what he says to the church of Corinth. And by the way, this morning we talked about all the disorders in our current culture. My friends, this is nothing new under the sun. This is nothing new since the fall. None of those are. When St. Paul brought the kingdom of God to Corinth, it was filled with these disorders. Every last one of them. Every last one of them. So here's what St. Paul says to the church of Corinth. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ... And unite them to a prostitute? Now you can take prostitution as the example that he gives, but quite frankly, you can take every last disorder and sin that could come our way and put that to, if Christ is so present with me, and I in Him and He in me, then every time I step out of the order of God into a disorder, shall I take Christ with me? And unite him to that action. It's an amazing thought that Paul says. But when we say the collect for purity, I want you to remember that that's part of our spiritual journey on a daily basis. That when we leave this place, we might as well raise our hands in the air 
and say, Almighty God, you are so present with me and keep it in our minds because there we will find protection and grace to overcome any thought that comes our way. To his glorification and the kingdom of God will be made manifest in our lives as we do so. So moving on from in the liturgy, the collect of purity. Or what's, the, what's the next thing that happens after the collect for purity? <coughs> Summary of the law. Remember we talked about that plumb line being put down. And then having seen the plumb line, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. What's the next thing it leads us to do? Kyrie. Kyrie. Lord, you've put the perfection of who you are before me. And I see like Isaiah in his vision that I'm not like that. So the first thing that comes out of our mouths is the Jesus prayer that we sing in liturgy, but it's supposed to be under our breath all the days of our life. Modeled after the, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, where the publican didn't even look into heaven and cried out, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And he was healed. And he went home justified. Are we not to live the blessed life of Kyrie? Where when, with the examination of conscience and the Holy Spirit reveals to us the way we're not like him, even in our thought life, even in those moments where we take the thought captive, he says, that's not of me. What's the most appropriate response? Help me. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And God steps into the moments, and again, we become experiencers of mercy, and our attention is turned from that thought back onto Him, and we can go about our life as a priest and a child of God. You see? And it could be said, following the Kyrie, that in the Mass, this seems like an oversimplification, but in the Mass, we pray. We pray. We lift up many different prayers all throughout the Mass. And I say to you that the church teaches us that our practice of prayer in the prayer services of Vespers, Matins, and in the Divine Liturgy, that when we go from here, our Lord desires that we be a people of what? Prayer. What did Paul say? The life of the Christian is pray without what? Pray without ceasing. Because prayer is not about spouting words to God. Oh, we spout important words to God that He's given us. Because those words, when we do that, remember what they do. When we pray those prayers, in the hours of prayer, it is God literally through the truths that we're praying, revealing Himself and taking our chin and pointing us back up where we see His face very clearly. Because prayer is fellowship with God. Prayer is the same walk in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve enjoyed before the fall. The kingdom of God that we spoke about this morning. The kingdom of God is the resurgence of the Garden of Eden experience for humanity upon the earth. Did it not say that Christ has made all things what? New again. And so when we walk and when we live in the kingdom of God, we are welcomed back into that fellowship by which and only by which the soul can ascend the disorders and find the reordering. 
where peace can be restored into the chaos of our minds and our concerns and our worries. And only one way does this happen. When a people will walk with the Lord in the garden. And that's prayer. And so the church gives us a life of prayer. It gives us the hours of prayer to help us at every point of the day. Morning, noon, evening, and compline. Which is just before we put our heads down on the pillow. So that at all of those points, we are reminded of and can be lifted up above the circumstances of what we're dealing with in this life, in the now, and experience the living Lord Jesus Christ. In between the times, not just during the hours of prayer. And so we pray. And in Mass we pray. In Mass... We are granted the revelation of God. We talked about this. I asked, how do we get the revelation of God in the Mass? And I loved all the answers because they went from everything from the hearing of the reading of Scriptures, which, by the way, is not a voice of a reader or a subdeacon or a deacon. The reading of Holy Scripture is hearing the voice of God speaking to us directly every time it comes out. So let us attend. We get the... Revelation of God to us and just about everything we can see and say and do because even when we see the incense, He is revealing His kingdom to us, letting us know that our prayers are going up before His throne and being heard. And I can go through so many examples that you guys gave. But in the Mass, we are granted the revelation of God through Holy Scripture and the teaching of the church for sure, the epistle, the gospel, and the sermon. Part of our fellowship with God that is incorporated in the prayer life of the church during the hours of prayer is the attendance to and the reading of Holy Scripture. Which is why the church gives us two passages, an Old Testament and a New Testament, in the morning and for us to do in the morning and in the evening accompanied with prayer. Why? Because of what I just said. When we read Holy Scripture or hear it, who is speaking to us? Who is giving us guidance for our lives? I can't tell you how many times I go and pray morning prayer in the church when I first come here during the week, Monday through Friday, and I'll be reading Scripture. And not only is He giving, gifting me so, so often, gifting me with something for that very day. Sometimes I won't know it till later that He gifted me with something for that very day. Or He's giving me His wisdom as a, just to walk as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a father... And this is the experience that every Christian is to have. That we walk in fellowship with God and receive from Him, hearing Him, experiencing Him through the reading of Holy Scripture as it's incorporated in that blessed fellowship with Him in prayer. One early church father, and I've quoted him before, he said the most profound statement I can ever think about, about the value of knowing Holy Scripture and hearing from God through Holy Scripture, as the church gives us the interpretations of such things. One early church father said, He who fails to know Scripture fails to know Christ. It is that important that it gets into us, in our readings and attending to it in our lives. And so He reveals Himself to us in Holy Scripture in the Mass, so will He do every day of our Christian walk. And that confirmed it. (laughs) And no, I'm not done. (laughs) 
in the Mass, we make the statement, and here we offer ourselves, the offering of the priesthood. We offer ourselves, our souls and bodies to God. Every day of our lives is to be the offering ourselves to God, is it not? So how do we offer ourselves to God in the daily? Tell me. How can we offer ourselves to God? What does it mean to offer ourselves to God in the daily? We set aside our goals. We set aside our goals. That's good. What else? Stop trying to fix ourselves without Him. Stop trying to fix ourselves without Him. What else? What does it mean? What does it look like to should we offer ourselves to God on a daily basis? We look for the needs around us that He may be wanting to use us to meet. So we offer ourselves to be those vessels of grace and mercy in the kingdom of God. I love what John the Baptist says that I may decrease and that He may increase. That's that that yeah. Every day of our lives, Lord, you increase in me. Let me take the back seat. That has to do with goals, has to do with offering ourselves for use, has to do with trying not, not, not our thinking we can fix ourselves by our own means. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in. Yeah. And all of those things that you guys are wonderfully mentioning, there is a hub to all of them. And it is precisely what overcame the fall of man. When the archangel Gabriel came to the blessed Virgin Mary and revealed God's plan of salvation, that in her would be the Messiah that would come to save, what was her response? Yeah. Let it be to me according to what? Not my will. Thy will. And in doing so, she overcame the disobedience of Eve. Our Lord Jesus Christ never strayed from the will of the Father. Even though He was in flesh and took on all of the frailties where He experienced every temptation. But when it really comes into to focus, where we see it really manifest in a particular way that I think we need to see is in the Garden of Gethsemane. All of the humanity of Christ knew what it was about to face and was reeling against the divinity. He knew the suffering. And so he prayed, and he prayed so fervently and with, with so much uh, that he was, he was sweating blood, we're told. And yet what he finally says to conclude all of his prayers, even when he asked for this cup to be taken from him out of his humanity... The ultimate, relenting, blessed decision that brought salvation into the world was, yet not my will, but thy be done. And I'm going to tell you, how many of you saw The Passion? How many of you ever went to see The Passion? Okay. I want you to remember something about the Garden of Gethsemane scene, because I thought, number one, it, it, it goes right along, what he painted in, on video went right along with what the fathers teach about that moment where Christ surrendered his will to the Father, to death. The very next thing you say you see in the movie after Jesus says, Yet not my will my, my will be done, but thy will be done, 
is he lifts up his foot and he crushes the head of a serpent. The power of God given to his people for the overcoming of our enemy within ourselves and for the benefit of others that is present when we offer ourselves to God. When we live the life of saying, I'm tired enough of myself. You come in and take front and center. And where you lead, I will follow. My hands are up. It crushes the head of the serpent. Time and time and time again. Because the gates of hell will never prevail against Christ and His kingdom. When our will is joined to His. And so we offer ourselves on a daily basis. And the last one I want to cover in the last few minutes that we have. Because we already talked about our departure and fulfilling a mission. I want to get back to giving thanksgiving in our lives. Because in the Mass, it is the great thanksgiving. And in the Mass, in the liturgy, we lift up the thanksgiving for every spiritual benefit that Christ has done by the finished work of everything that He did. What was wrought for us, bringing us into His kingdom and restoring us to Himself. And all of the benefits of the kingdom we thank Him for. Thanksgiving must be the walk of a Christian on a daily basis. And I will tell you that there is infinite, infinite power and grace and mercy and the experience of God to be had when we lift up our praise, not only here, but in our lives. And I want to give you a couple of examples from Scripture first. Well, both of them are from Scripture. How many of you struggle in your lives from time to time with anxiousness? Okay, the rest of you are liars. (laughs) How many of you struggle from time to time with great sadness and depression? Depression. Depression. Yeah. Okay. I will tell you right now that praise to God, thanksgiving to God, is a mighty weapon and antidote to anxiousness, to fears, to anxieties, to depression. And I'll tell you why, and then we're going to look at the scriptures so we see how it plays out. Because God lives and dwells and makes himself present in the praise of his people. King David, who wrote Psalm, well, he wrote a number of Psalms, particularly Psalm 42 is what we're going to look at. I want you to listen and see if you don't see yourself in King David when he's wrestling with fears and depressions and anxieties. Listen to his words. He says, When I remember the things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Put your hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. But then he goes back into his dirge of depression. Listen to him. And this is us. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? 
and then he catches himself and he's back to that great statement, why are you so cast down? Why are you so cast down on my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Put your hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. What I want you to see is that David battled, he warred, and he wrestled with his anxiety, depressions, sadness, concerns. He took them all and he voiced them to God. So do it. But then catch yourself like David and begin praising Him. There's not a moment in your lives, I don't care what sadness you're under, what depression you're dealing with. I've been there, I know it. There's never one moment that our lips can't be filled with so many praises for the so many things God does for us and has promised to do for us. So you battle by begin praising Him. And you start letting the Holy Spirit help you come back to your mind with all of the things that God has done. And then if you have to go back to complaining and moaning and groaning before the Lord, that's a good thing to do. Don't, not, don't, don't fail to do that. But catch yourself and bring praise into it. Because that is a weapon that brings us through it because it makes God present with us. Why do I say that? Because in Psalm 22, the psalm that begins... And Jesus started saying that psalm on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you read that psalm, it's not a voice crying out as if he's truly forsaken. It's a great voice of praise. Psalm 22 is a psalm of praise. He's, he's crying out on the cross in his suffering. And in Psalm 22, the psalmist proclaims, But you, Lord, are holy, enthroned, on the praises of Israel. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. Let me tell you in Hebrew what that word enthroned means because it's a beautiful word. It's not just, even though it has to do with sitting upon a throne. In other words, when we're praising God, He indeed take, is on His throne. But it's also saying, you make your dwelling place the praises of your people. It's as if when we start praising God, no matter what's going on in our lives... When we start praising God, it constructs a temple that He enters into and dwells with us. And continues to not only receive our prayers, but let us know how truly near He is. And it is truly when God turns His countenance to us, like that, that we're made whole again. And so wrestle through the struggles of this mortal life and your flesh and your frailties. Never live a day without great praise of God. Wrestle with it if you have to. God will manifest His presence. And that will, if He doesn't take the suffering circumstances away, His manifest presence is enough for you to endure. And by enduring, you will see in the aftermath of that time and season of suffering, you will see just how much He's wrought your salvation for you. Are you getting just an idea of how the Mass and all that we do in the Mass is truly the life of a Christian. That we are to take and live every day till we come and join together with heaven and earth to worship Christ with He present with us. Take those things to heart, begin to live them, and watch what God does in sharing all the benefits of His kingdom with you. <coughs> Let's stand.